Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you all this morning on this wonderful November day. And uh, just wanted to give a few quick announcements before we get into worship, as you have mostly heard. If you've got, if you got the emails, if you did not, we do have full restrooms and everything today. Um, you've got lights, plumbing, and electricity all at the same time. So... All I can say is you are such pampered people, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So uh, what we are doing is, as uh, I had mentioned, our our crack maintenance staff sitting in the back there uh, fixed up a tool so that we could turn the water on and off ourselves without the water department. So we're able to do that on Sundays, amen, but we don't want to do it too often uh, during the week. So we will still be not having weekly uh, meetings until it's fixed. And hopefully that will be coming soon. So hallelujah. But anyway, we can uh, sit back and relax and enjoy today. So why don't we all stand together into his presence and just welcome him here this morning. Father, we just thank you so much that we could be in your presence this morning. We thank you that even more than that, your presence is in us. And we can open ourselves to your presence, to the, to the living Jesus that's inside of us. And we ask you to begin to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirits, challenge us today to open ourselves up to you, to receive from you whatever we might need, cleansing, healing, deliverance, whatever it might be. We thank you that you can perform your work in us this morning. We ask you to bless us as we come into your presence in Jesus' name, amen. And we'll also be getting back to altar time this morning, so at some point you'll see Pastor Ron and... and, uh, Uh, Frank, come forward. Feel free to come forward. And uh, if you need any prayer, let them know. God bless you. I want more of you, God. 
place I would rather be, no, no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control.
every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save Oh, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Upon you.
There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. immediately begins to think of our unsaved loved ones. Unsaved children, unsaved parents might be, friends, relatives. And I just want us to agree together again right now that there's no shadow that's going to be greater. There's no mountain that God can't overcome. You may look at some unsaved people and say, there is no way God can overcome that mountain. But he can. There's no lie that cannot be broken not only in them, but in every part of our society. There's no wall that he cannot overcome. Amen? He's stronger than them all. Father, we just thank you so much that even in our own lives, even in our own lives, there is no wall. But if we're open to you, there's no wall that you're not going to break down. There's no lie that you're going to overcome. There's no shadow that you're going to draw us out of. It's not stronger than your light. There's no darkness that can overwhelm you. And so, Father, even for ourselves, we thank you that. But we thank you even more. For those that are still in the shadow, they're still in the darkness, they're still under the lie, they still just can't see, but we're grateful this morning that your Holy Spirit is already there. Your Holy Spirit is already preparing the way for salvation. Your Holy Spirit is already opening the door, already overcoming the wall, already moving through the mountain, moving around the mountain, moving under the mountain, but you're making a way where there's no way. So we lift them up to you, Father. We lift up everybody in this congregation, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a a wall of cancer. Maybe it's a, a mountain of unemployment. Maybe it's some difficulty that we feel we just cannot overcome. We know that by your grace and your mercy, we will overcome, Father God, and we will see victory. So we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for that testimony in our lives that you recklessly gave yourself so that we could be with you, and we thank you for that. We praise you for it, Father. And we're going to believe your victory is in it again and again and again because we are people of victory this morning. Hallelujah. If you believe you're a person of victory, just give him an offering of praise. Could you do that? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. 
praise your name. Praise your name. Hallelujah. No, no shadow, no wall, no mountain. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise his name. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Ushers, you may come if you will. Reckless love, reckless love that he just poured himself out. You know, we're so used to holding on to little bits of ourselves, aren't we? Or big bits sometimes. And he did not. He did not. Hallelujah. Let's just ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we thank you so much that we can continue worshiping you through the giving of tithes and offerings. This is an act of worship. We labor hard for our money. And when we give it back to you, it is a sacrifice of praise and worship to you. But we know you're going to take it, bless it, multiply it, use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. And we're going to give you praise because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you give. And today is Veterans Day weekend. Veterans weekend is the 11th. And we always like to honor our vets. So I'm going to have all veterans, if you would, just stand to your feet. You're not going to have to do anything like fight. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And uh, let's see. Let's, let's just start right down here with Ron and go ahead and tell us. It, you are U.S. Navy. Four years in the U.S. Navy. Victor? Air Force. Hallelujah. Mike? Army. Amen. Bob and Dad. Navy. Another Navy man. Hallelujah. Rick? Army, Army, and Glenn, and <laughs> Navy, Navy, two Navies. The Navies are winning today. <laughs> and, who did, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor Ron. U.S. Army, Ohio National Guard. Amen. And I know, uh, well, Jerry's not here this morning, but Air Force. He was Air Force. And uh, Sid, weren't you, are you Army? Army, sitting army in the back, hallelujah. But Navy takes the cake today, so hallelujah. And your, your prize today is thank you. <laughs> no, we do thank all of them, amen. And uh, you can go ahead and be seated. And uh, let's just bow our heads and, and pray and thank the Lord for them. And of course, we on Veterans Day, we don't honor just those that have given the ultimate sacrifice. It's for everyone. So Father, we thank you for their sacrifice. Uh, in talking with some of them before church, and it seems like any time I talk to anyone in the that's been in the service, they always say that it was a great experience in many regards. Got to see the world, got to help out people, got to do so many wonderful things. So we thank you for their service. And Father, we thank you for those that are serving right now in faraway places, places of danger, whose lives are in danger, some that might even day go home to be with you. We hope that they know you as Lord and Savior. But we ask your protection and covering on them as they serve this country so wonderfully. We thank you for the many have done that over the years, and we praise you for their lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, for that. Also, in your bulletins, you will note that uh, we are now beginning the uh, open board member nominations. And for those of you who don't know how that works, it's very simple. If you feel that uh, you would like to nominate someone for a deacon position, 
uh, on the board, which is also our trustee board. Uh, you may do so. You don't have to worry about whether they're a member or not. You don't have to know anything about them. You could just look at them and say, I think that's a really neat person. I'd like to nominate them. And then they go before a screening committee and nominating committee, so we take care of that. Perhaps they're not a member yet or things like that. But you can nominate uh, anyone for that position, and we will keep you up to date on that as well. And then also notice some of the changes. Uh, we're still uh, not having water during the week. Uh, because the the thing that Jim had worked on can turn the water main valve on and off out in the parking lot, but we don't want to repeatedly do that. We are allowed to do it, we were told, because it's on our property. It's not at the street. But we don't want to continually do that throughout the week and possibly mess up that valve. So we're just making sure that we have it on for Sunday. So uh, we do have that throughout the week. And again, your staff here is paying the ultimate sacrifice and price for... Uh, using the outdoor porta potties all week long. So. <laughs> I, told, I told Lisa that, uh, you know, there are four toilets in the women's restroom, so she could go four times. <laughs> you only get one flush, but... <laughs> That's terrible to say that on a Sunday morning. My Lord. Terrible. But hallelujah. Uh, anyway, uh, and also for those of you who don't know, uh, and uh, if you have gone to the restroom during the service, you'll see there is always someone that is now walking the halls. We do have some security that we've worked on with some folks here at the church that have volunteered to keep an eye on things, on the doors and things like that. And uh, so if you're out there and you see them looking at the parking lot or checking a door or wandering up and down. They're not just wandering aimlessly. They are actually uh, doing some security work just to keep an eye on things. So let them do their work, and uh, they can still listen to the sermon in the hallways and in the other rooms. And so, amen. Take your Bibles. Open them to Philippians again. We are now jumping into the third chapter of Philippians. The third chapter of Philippians. And uh, we're going to be looking at probably just the first few verses, uh, and um, we'll stop at verse 3, because then Paul gives a bit more of a description of his own life. But starting at verse 1 in Philippians, the third chapter, finally, my brethren, so now Paul is getting to his main point of this entire little letter, and the main point, as we learned, is joy. So he says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. In other words, I keep repeating this over and over again to you. Keep rejoicing, keep worshiping, keep praising God, and it's not tedious. I'm not trying to be tedious or nagging. I'm just trying to let you know that that's what we need to do. We need to live lifestyles of worship and adoration before the Lord. <clears throat> then verse 2, uh, he does something a little bit odd. After he says rejoice, he says, Beware of dogs, beware of evildoers. Beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in 
the flesh. Very, very interesting thing that Paul does here. And so we want to begin, uh, of course, we've been in this now for a number of weeks, so let's just uh, get a a little background again of where we're at. It's been a a long study of Paul's calling that we just got through. Remember that the theme of the letter is joy and thanksgiving, and we remember that this was based on money because the Philippians were the first church to support Paul in his missionary journeys. And even though he was in distress and under house arrest with the Praetorian Guard in his little room all day long and all night long, he was still joyful. He was still full of joy. And uh, this incredible passage about Jesus that we just read in the second chapter, humbling himself, therefore being exalted. And of course, we find out that's a pattern for us. We need to be humble. And as we are humbled, he exalts us. And last week, we learned about how to be a living sacrifice. The last couple weeks, we're seeking the things of Christ. We're being an encourager. We have proven character as we work through these things. We supply the need of others, and we're faithful against all odd. We are now actually beginning to enter into, I believe, some of the most beautiful uh, and poetic portions of the New Testament, really. That portion where Paul talks about pressing toward the prize, the upward call of God in Christ. He talks about our citizenship being in heaven, from whence we look for our Lord and Savior will change these bodies. Be anxious for nothing, right? That beautiful passage. But in prayer and at Thanksgiving, let your request be made known. Uh, Whatsoever things things are noble and just and pure and lovely and virtuous in the fourth chapter. So he's moving into these beautiful passages of scripture that we see in this third and fourth chapter. But being Paul, he immediately jumps into a warning in the third chapter. So he tells us to rejoice, and then he turns right around and says, but here I'm going to warn you about something now. So rejoice, but these, this rejoicing is sort of wrapped up in a warning for you. So he says, rejoice, in verse 1, in the Lord. And I like that. He's, he doesn't just say rejoice. He's very specific. Rejoice in the Lord. We do not rejoice in our spouses. We don't rejoice in our money. We don't rejoice in our degrees. We don't rejoice in our talents or our gifts. We don't rejoice in our church or our pastor. We don't rejoice in our homes or our possessions. We thank him for all those things. These things are all great. It's wonderful to have plumbing and electricity. We thank him for those things. But our joy and our rejoicing has to always be in Jesus. Always in him. No matter what our circumstances are. Because how many know that circumstances change pretty fast? They're like the weather. I mean, you could be really, really up one day, and then the next day you could be really, really, really down. It can change very, very fast. I I love the 15th chapter of Jeremiah, uh, that in, in the midst of all that Israel was going through at the time, they're in captivity, horrible things were happening, and Jeremiah was the prophet, and, and he says in the 15th chapter, in the midst of punishment for our sins, being plundered without price. <laughs> That's an interesting phrase. In other words, everybody was just having at us for free. They were just whatever. Plundered without price. We are slaves to our enemies. We are in a strange and far off land. Wow, that's, that's like not a good situation. That's bad. That's bad. But, he says in the 16th verse, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. We can have that in the midst of horrible situations. 
But you know what's interesting about that, though? He starts off by saying, I found your words, plural. But then he says, your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Listen, my friends, when you find yourself in a strange land, an unfriendly land, when you find yourself in the land of sickness, when you find yourself in the land of disease, when you find yourself in the land of lack or holiness, you've got to find your word. Your mama's word won't work. Daddy's word won't work. Grandpa's word won't work. Pastor's word won't work. The deacon's word won't work. All these words might not necessarily work. You have to find your word from the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're all looking at me. That means you've got to get your nose in this thing, don't you? And you've got to say, Holy Spirit, lead me. I know, I know that's happened to many of you many times, right? You've just been going through something really bad, and you open the word of God, and all of a sudden, something just threw out the page. Boom! And there it was, right in front of your face. That's the Holy Spirit. You've got to find your word. And when you find your word, keep rejoicing in the midst of that situation. Whatever you have, keep rejoicing. Whatever you don't have, keep rejoicing. And when your body feels sick, keep rejoicing. When your mind says the wrong thing, keep rejoicing. When your emotions are screaming at you, keep rejoicing. In the midst of loss, keep rejoicing. In the midst of destitution, keep rejoicing. You, you can wake up on the wrong side of the bed and all of a sudden the day starts sideways how many know that happens a lot just keep rejoicing don't let circumstances change it paul says rejoice in the lord because jesus never changes and we can rejoice in him constantly all day long so we keep rejoicing in him but he does this very interesting thing and we're going to look at three quick points today two or three quick points about our rejoicing and how we can rejoice and he starts off by saying rejoice in the lord but watch he says in verse two beware of three things dogs the evil workers and some of your bibles say concision and others will say mutilation and then he jumps into the concept of circumcision now, we have to spend a few uh, minutes on this uh, because I believe what Paul is doing here is he's saying, uh, how many have heard that phrase before that that person was so heavenly minded they were no earthly good? <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, we need to keep rejoicing. We need to keep our minds on spiritual things. But, you know, we really, really do have to go to work. We really do have to get things done on earth as well. So I believe what Paul is saying here is he's saying, I want you to be people of joy and rejoicing, but I also want your worship and your praise and your joy to be directed and protective of your life. So he says, watch out, and we're going to start with legalism. He says, watch out for legalism. Now, he, he does an interesting little wordplay here, and we're going to get into this a little, a little bit deep here, So, but stay with us because he, 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 it was his fault. He did it, so we have to follow him. So he says, you've got to be aware of, of the the mutilation, which the word there in the Greek is, and he does a little wordplay, it's catatomy and paratomy. Paratomy is circumcision. Catatomy is mutilation. And he puts the two words together and he says, watch. So we're going to have to delve into the concept of circumcision in scripture. Uh, if you're young and you don't know what circumcision is, ask your mother or grandmother. We have some nurses here too. You could ask nurses. They'll tell you too. Don't ask any men. They'll get embarrassed. 
Now, you say, well, wait a minute, why, is circum- why does Paul immediately jump into circumcision? What's the big deal? That seems like such a strange thing to do. You're talking about rejoicing and worshiping God, and then you jump into circumcision? What's the deal with that? Why does he do that? Well, the concept of circumcision is extremely important in Scripture, in the New Testament, because it was a major issue in the early church. Christian Jews were saying to non-Jewish Christians, that is, those that were Jewish and accepted Christ as Savior, were saying to Gentiles, Greeks and Romans, that in order to become a Christian, you first have to be circumcised and adhere to the Old Testament rituals and laws. So it became a big issue. It became such a big issue that, those of you who know, Acts the 15th chapter, the church, they had to call a whole council together to talk about this. How do we treat these Greeks and how do we treat these Romans and others, these barbarians that are getting saved? Should we make them adhere to the Old Testament laws and rituals, get circumcised? What should we do? Now, there were some that did. Timothy, for instance, became circumcised. He said, I'll do it. I'll become circumcised. Titus said, what you talking about? (laughs) Say what? Ain't no way. (laughs) So Titus did not, and many others did not. So you say, well, where does this all come from then? Why does Paul bring it up? Well, the the reason being is that in order to be uh, an Israelite in the Old Covenant, you had to be circumcised. And it all started with a gentleman named Abraham. Now, Abraham gets called by God, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, by faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called. So God speaks to Abraham, and actually, circumcision itself, uh, you didn't know you were going to learn all this stuff on this Sunday, but circumcision itself was actually around about 2300 BC. It was prevalent, it was uh, in Egypt. It was not real common. It was used in in spiritual rites and things like that, but it was around, so it wasn't too odd of a thing. So God calls Abraham and he says, circumcise yourself. And Abraham, being a Chaldean, being a Canaanite, he probably scratches his head and he says, well, that's a little odd, but not too weird. I've heard of it. I I know some people that have had had that done and but here's what is odd. Here's what's very strange. I've never seen everybody's eyes like I see them right now. Here's what's very strange. A voice out of nowhere told him to do it, and he did it. That's weird. He said, yes. Talk about faith. Remember, he was a grown man. Remember, there was no St. Elizabeth Hospital. There was no anesthesia. There was nothing. And he did it. By faith. Talk about the conversation he had with Sarah. You did what, Abraham? Who told you to do that? A voice. A voice said, look at the stars and look at the sand. Those are the people and the nations you're going to be the father of. But first, circumcise yourself. Remember, 
At this point, there was no Jehovah, per se. There was no Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There was no Moses. There was no children of Israel. There was no pastor, no deacons, no brothers and sisters he could clear it through and talk with them about. There was none of that. He was all alone. And he said, yes. Hmm. This is, this, this is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way. It is by faith. This is what Paul's getting at. It is by faith. Our father Abraham did this by total faith and obedience to a God that had no name. Out of nowhere. So that says to us, we have, like our father Abraham, salvation by faith. We have walking by faith. Everything we have is by faith. Our spiritual father was a man of faith. No law, no scripture, no church, no spiritual brothers, all alone. And Paul points to this all through the New Testament. It was not the act of circumcision that Abraham did. It was because he was obedient in faith. Faith is the key. And that's why we are children of Abraham. Because we are children of faith. 1 Peter 1. Whom having not seen, you love. How do you love somebody you've never seen before? It's impossible. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And as you receive Jesus, and as you love the one that you have not even seen, guess what Peter says? You receive the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. So Paul says, rejoice, but watch. Now I'm going to tie this all together, believe me. I'm going to tie it all together somehow. (laughs) He, He says, you've got to rejoice in one thing, and that is you've got to rejoice in the faith that you have in Jesus, not Jewish law or circumcision or things like that, not religion. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I can have my faith in Jesus this morning and not religion. So let me give you some things that Paul says we should rejoice in. He says, number one, I can rejoice in the fact that I'm a person of faith. Hallelujah. Faith that supersedes the law. Paul said in Romans 3, God will justify the circumcised by faith, and he will also justify the uncircumcised by faith. 1 Corinthians 7, he said circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. He said it again in Galatians 5, 6. He said it again in Galatians 6, 15. But he said... Keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Listen, my friend, I'm rejoicing this morning because I don't have to be rich, just faithful. I don't have to be powerful, just faithful. I don't have to be popular, just faithful. I don't have to have a degree, I just have to be faithful. I don't have to study for years, I just have to be faithful. I don't have to follow an intricate list of laws, of do's and don'ts, and rights and wrongs, I can just be faithful. I don't have to circumcise my body, I don't have to tattoo myself with anything special, I don't have to pray at a certain time, I don't have to face a certain direction, I just have to be faithful to Jesus. Faith. Paul says, don't let anybody trap you and lie to you. It's not by religion, it's by faith. I can go even further, folks. I could be as dumb as a box of rocks and still quench every fiery dart of the devil. 
I can be as dumb as a box of rocks and still shut the lion's mouth. I can be the dullest tool in the shed but still tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I can still lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I can still make disciples of the nations. I can still baptize people in the name of Jesus. I can still reach the lost. I can still pull people out of darkness. I can still walk in victory every day. Not because I know anything but just because I'm faithful. Faithful. Everybody in this room can be that. I am a person of faith, thankfully, not a person of a physical, religious act. You know, I I was telling somebody the other day, I, I am so glad because, you know, I cannot, I literally cannot keep track of a screwdriver or a wrench in my house. When I when I'm here and I and I need to tell Lisa or Jim or somebody something or Pastor Ron, I have got to write it down because by the time I get from there back to the it's gone. I can't keep track of anything anymore. You think I'm gonna keep track of a long list of religious things I gotta do in order to stay saved? When I can't even find a screwdriver? I'm so glad that I can rejoice in faith this morning. Faith in Jesus. The second thing I can rejoice is, is that I am the true circumcision. See, now Paul goes through, and we could spend three or four months just on circumcision because it's all through the New Testament. But I can, I can understand the fact today that I am the true circumcision. Paul says the other circumcision is mutilation of the flesh. Okay, you thought it was bad. Let's go even worse now. Ready? Everybody, here we go. It's even worse. Because Paul became so angry with these false Christians that were trying, they were called Judaizers, they were trying to, to, uh, to foist the law on new believers and add works to Jesus' work. How many know you can't add anything to what Jesus did? It's impossible. And they were trying to. And in our, in our text, he calls them mutilators, dogs, and evil workers. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 12, he says, I wish, he was so mad, I wish, he said, that they would not just circumcise themselves, but that they would cut the whole thing off. Sorry. Jerome, Ambrose, Augustine, Chrysostom, they all interpreted it that way. That's how angry he was at somebody trying to add anything to the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. In other words, why don't they just kill themselves? Why don't they just get it, get it, be done with it? Cut everything off, bleed to death and be done with it. He was so angry. He was angry at people who were trying to add something to our faith in Jesus. Listen, folks, I am saved because of the work of Jesus, not my own work. I am saved because I put my trust in Jesus, not anything I can do. I'm saved by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me, unreservedly poured himself out for me. Like our father Abraham, we have stepped out of the comfort zone of our own flesh and we have chosen to walk in the Spirit and subdue our carnal-based desires. We have stepped out of darkness into his glorious light. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. We're not making our own choices anymore. We're following his voice. We're not doing our own desires anymore. We're following what his word says in our lives. We're listening to him, and I can rejoice in the fact that I am the true circumcision that was made inside my heart by Jesus. 
So that's the second thing that I can be rejoicing in this morning. Third thing is, and, and, and we're done now, so don't worry, we can relax. The third thing is, I can rejoice that I am complete in Jesus. I'm complete in Jesus. I don't have to. Do you know that you are all you will ever be until the end of eternity? There's, you're not going to get more saved when you get to heaven. You're a new creation right now. Your body's going to catch up with you. Oh, hallelujah, won't that be someday? I've always said we're talking about the flesh here heaven would be living down here just the way it is but without our flesh wouldn't that be wonderful that that itself would be heaven but there's so much more but I can rejoice that I am complete in Jesus all the circumstance all the circumcisions of the Old Testament all the circumcisions of the law point to one last great circumcision. You say, what's that? That's when God the Father cut off the flesh of Jesus on the cross, circumcised him from existence. That's when Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That word forsaken means literally left me alone. Gone. Father, why have you cut me off? In his flesh, he was saying that. Colossians, the second chapter, Paul repeats it. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All, and that's wonderful, but all of those next several words are so beautiful. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Aren't you glad you're complete in Jesus this morning? And then Paul does the same thing. Guess what he jumps right back into? Circumcision. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God and raised from the dead listen my friend Jesus was cut off from the land of the living so that he could become king of both the dead and the living he was cut off as a sin offering so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ his wealth was cut off so that in his poverty I might become rich His strength was cut off and drained so that in my weakness I could become strong. Anything that adds anything to the work of Jesus turns off that beautiful spigot of his grace and love and mercy and you become more incomplete the more you try to complete yourself. Because we are complete in him who was cut off once and for all for all of eternity so that I could be grafted in. Anything that tries to add any work to what Jesus did on the cross should repulse us. Like that old hymn, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's all we have. We have nothing else. Nothing else. No one's better than anybody else in here. No one's any more spiritual than anybody else in here, per se. We're all at different levels of our walk, to be sure. We're maturing in different ways. But thank God, every one of us in here is complete if we are in Jesus. 
And we're working that out day by day, hour by hour. We've talked about it before. You have a position that is perfect in Jesus, but your practice, (laughs) how many are still practicing? My practice is a daily thing. And my goal in life, our goal in life, is to take our practice and make it measure up to our position eventually. But we are complete in him. Watch out for anything that promotes the flesh. I'm rejoicing this morning because I'm a person of faith. I'm a person of faith. You're a person of faith. I'm rejoicing this morning because I am the true circumcision. I am the result of all of that Old Testament law. I'm the result of what Jesus did down through history. I'm, I'm rejoicing this morning because I'm complete in Jesus. And I know that whatever I do in my life, I can now worship him in completeness and fullness every day of my life. I don't have to worry about what I do and don't do per se. I don't have to consult a book. I don't have to look up a list of things. I can just worship him wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing. I can confess. How many of you have confessed before him a sin or something during the day? Isn't it wonderful that you didn't have to go to a temple somewhere? Isn't it wonderful that you didn't have to call up a person and ask to come to a confessional to confess a sin? Isn't it great that when that stupid thought hits your brain, when that dumb deed you did, you did what you did? Isn't it great that you just stopped and you said, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, forgive me. I confess that sin to you in Jesus' name and help me to not do that again. How wonderful that is to walk by faith. (laughs) We are the true circumcision and today we are the true worshipers. And that's what he gets into a little bit later that we are not the dogs, we're not the evil workers, we're not the mutilation, we're the true circumstance that worship God in spirit. What did Jesus say to the little lady at the well? There's coming a time when people are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Not in this mountain, not in that mountain, but all around the universe, worshiping him in spirit and truth. So I can rejoice that I'm complete, and I can rejoice that I'm a worshiper. Reminds me of that wonderful song. I think we've done it here before, but this is the time. You know that one? When true worshipers will worship him. What a wonderful thought. These are the days when my father's ways will be known of men. Right? These are the hours when the spirit's power will move again. And we worship him. In spirit and in truth. Could you sing that last line with me? And we worship him in spirit and in truth. Say it personally. And I worship. And I worship him in spirit and in truth. One more time. Just raise your hand and say that to him. And I worship him in spirit and in truth that's why we can sing it holy 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 is your name worthy 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 word let all the earth let all the earth proclaim he is mighty mighty 
My, there is no God, there is no God like you, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. Let's stand together. I feel like we just need to sing that holy, holy, holy. It's holy, holy, holy is your name. Holy is your name. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Let all the earth, let all the earth proclaim. Aren't you glad he's mighty? He's mighty, mighty. There is no God, there is no God like you. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. One last time, and we worship, and we worship you in spirit and in all. One last time, raise your hand to him, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. Hallelujah. Isn't it something that we could worship him? No offense to anyone in here. We could worship him without instruments even. We could worship him with just our voice. When you're at work and you can't use your voice, you could just use your mind and worship him. And where any two or three are gathered doing it, he's there. He's there. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much that we can be the true circumcision this morning. Not religious, not filled with duties, not trying to live out a certain guideline every day of our lives. But every morning, all we need to do is just wake up as your true circumcision and say, thank you, Father, that you've cut away the flesh of my heart without hands. Thank you, Father, that you've cut away the sinfulness of my life. Thank you that you've cut it all away through the powerful blood of Jesus. And all you want for me today is to look up at you as every moment I can, look up at you and say, Jesus, what do you want from me today? I want to be like my father Abraham. I want to be faithful with whatever you call me to do. So I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that we're your faithful ones and you're going to cause us to be more and more faithful in the days ahead because this world needs to see the true circumcision. They're tired of religion. They're tired of deeds. They're tired of doing. They want a relationship with a living God like we have. And we are those. We thank you for it. Bless us as we go from this place. We continue to worship you in the spirit and truth in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Turn around. Bless somebody in Jesus' name.